Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. Insurance fraud, it is not a laughing matter. Not when you realize that it costs about $80 billion. That's 80 with a B annually. And that's coming out of your pocket, folks. Let me tell you something. Well, the good group of Coalition Against Insurance Fraud is out there fighting insurance fraud and doing everything they can to help educate consumers as well. So we're going to talk with Jim Quiggle today. He's the Director of Communications for the aforesaid Coalition Against Insurance Fraud. Jim, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. It's so good to talk to you again. Shirley, thanks a lot. It's great to be here. Any day we talk about insurance fraud is a great day. All right, because we're educating the public to this and things to look out for. Look, uh, you all do, and you do something every year, and every year I am constantly amazed at what the crooks do. And you have something called the Hall of Shame. I love the name. Unfortunately, it's called the Insurance Fraud Hall of Shame. And unfortunately, it's necessary because some of these people, shameless is not the word for them. It's terrible what they do. So let's start out with one of one of mine favorites, which turns out that uh, if you live in a big house, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you're going to be an honest person or that you are going to be uh, let's say straightforward, because one of the, your people that made your top list was a wealthy woman who lives in Pennsylvania, Bucks County, I believe. And she, uh, tell us what she did. I mean, her <laughs> her mansion was uh, burned. Is that right? Well, Claire Rizzoli was a very wealthy socialite and, and political GOP fundraiser. She lived outside Philadelphia in, in the sick. In the, 5,600-foot mansion in the suburbs. Uh, fire went racing through her mansion and destroyed a lot, a lot of the inside. So she decided to use that uh, disaster to get herself even more rich from bogus insurance claims. Um, she claimed $10 million worth of jewelry were stolen by brave volunteer firefighters who were inside risking their lives to try to put the fire out. She like they have time to, to go through her company. jewelry box. Sure. And why didn't she have it in a safe? Well, I mean, really, this is... Okay. Well, that, that, that's a good question. We'll, we'll never know all that, but she, she tried to pin $10 million of theft on brave firefighters whose lives are on the line every second when they're trying to, to keep her house from burning down. Go figure. And so she claimed all this, what, what painting, art, other things in the house, that it was $20 million oh, oh, yes. worth? Wow. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. She 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 had a, a painter put this uh, large Roman style mural of her and her family on the ceiling and walls. Fifty thousand dollars original price. She she turned it into a nine hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar bogus claim. Can you believe oh my that? Gosh. Wow. Well, how did she get found out? I mean, uh, with the insurance adjusters who come in and appraise value and that sort of thing. Do, are they the ones that got onto her? Well, the the insurance investigators were very smart. They started going through the, uh, you know, they started going through all of the uh, receipts and invoices that these people had provided, and for the uh, for the, for the murals. And guess what? The, she couldn't. She wasn't even spelling the names of some of the vendors correctly. <laughs> she was forging receipts for inflated claims 
for draperies, for the murals, and for all sorts of things. None of the numbers and the receipts added up. It was obvious that she was inflating claims. You couldn't, you couldn't escape that. Well, and that brings my, if she's uh, trying to jack up the insurance companies, rip them off, what about the fire? Did anybody ever figure out what started it? No, they never figured out the fire, Shirley. Uh, it was just too complicated, so they decided not to charge uh, Rizzoli with, with arson. They decided they would charge her solely with insurance fraud and related crimes, and boy, did they ever nail her good. In fact, one of the things that they found in the house that she had rented after the fire was a book sitting on a desk, and the book the title was, quote, Insult to Injury. Insurance fraud and the big business of bad faith. Oh, my gosh. Wow. She's taking a few lessons, huh? Wow. That, that, that should say it all. Is she in jail? Uh, yes. She, she got a couple of years in jail. It was not a large sentence, but the publicity uh, was pretty much of a shaming, uh, you know, sh- shaming environment for her. When you're shamed every day by news coverage and, oh, and, yeah. and television yeah. stories, that's a pretty big price to pay, too. She'll yep. never be the same again after that experience. Not her social standing, I bet, went uh, plummeted. Okay. All right. Well, good for her. I mean, she got what she deserves, sounds like. Now, there's there's something uh, – one of the things that really concerns me are the gangs that get into insurance fraud, ripping off insurance companies, and they do it with a number of, of different kinds of scams. And one of the things that you all have nominated to your Hall of Shame is the slip ring fall. So tell us about what that is. Well, the, the ring that we're talking about was in New York City. It was one of the biggest slip and fall rings in, in United States history, $32 million attempted ripoff of insurance companies by, by bogus slips and falls. What, what these guys would do, the, the ring members, is they, they would get homeless people in attics and, and others right off the street corners and, you know, bribe them with a little bit of, you know, beer money. So, you know, just so they could have some money to spend and then uh, convince them to lie down on the pavement and pretend that they'd slipped had very painful injuries and make very big insurance claims all set wow. up by the ring members themselves. And so it these, was, these it are was, honest businesses. I'm sorry. These are honest businesses, Shirley, who are just trying to make a living every day, and they're being billed you know, for these inflated insurance claims that, that, had, that they had no business uh, being billed for. It was all a setup. Fake injuries, fake slips, fake falls, big insurance money, $32 million that raises prices at the cash register. Now, did they actually, did the, the ringleader of this and the other members of the gang actually get away with some of the money? This doctor, Kalankas, I'm sorry, probably murdering his oh, name. Oh, yes, Kalkanis actually did. Kalkanis. Of course, he got away with some of the money, but he didn't, but, you know, it was, he was arrested and busted and the ring dismantled before he could take in all the money. So, yeah, he got away with part of it. But again, he's, the, the guy's in jail now. Oh, so he's good. paying the price. They're trying to recover the money from him. And this guy, this yeah. guy even tried to have ring members uh, with giving surgeries to help increase the reality oh and the realism of their injuries. That's that's how bad this ring was. Oh my gracious! This is, and they were preying upon the most vulnerable in our society to be a part of this, who were probably totally unaware of what was going on. Oh, it's, well, they, these were street people. And I think they knew what was going on. I mean, they they were just told to you're know, given a little money, a little bribe money, oh, sure. so they could spend, 
They needed the money. Many many were addicts. And so they were told to just lie down and coached on how to act injured. So they knew what was going on. So, you know, they, they're just as complicit, but you're not going to arrest hundred, you know, several hundred street people. You want to go to the, to the head of the snake, which is Calcanus, Peter Calcanus, the chiropractor who ran the whole operation. Wow. My goodness. Well, I hope you're happy in jail, Dr. Peter. Uh, wow. That is, it's really disgusting. Let's just take a brief pause here, Jim, to let our listeners know. They're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Jim Quiggle. He is the Director of Communications for the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud, and we're going over some of the most egregious frauds that you can imagine. Now, there's another one, a huge ring that was operating in Florida that was using nursing homes and using mentally ill and, again, street people as uh, participants in this fraud. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, this is what we call fraudzilla. This is one of the biggest insurance schemes in U.S. history. $1.3 billion theft of Medicare and money uh, and Medicaid money in in South Florida. It was was an absolute beast of a ring, and here's why. Uh, Phil Esformis ran the ring. He drove a Ferrari. He had uh, a movie star tan. He was a peak performer. Uh, you know, this was this was sort of the the absolute peak performer of insurance scammers. Um, he ran corrupt, skilled nursing and assisted living facilities. Uh, he had a whole network of crooks. He had doctors on the take. Um, he had uh, recruiters on the take. And what they did is they recruited people again, many of them off the streets, and stuffed them into these homes that often were a little more than than dirty flop houses. They supercharged the claims for for bogus uh, you know nursing care services that nobody ever received or didn't even need, and the money was just flowing out of Medicare and Medicaid in in like a factory line. It was just the money wouldn't stop. It was coming out in gushers. You know, it reached up to a more than a billion dollars. Now this guy w- was even more interesting because. His son wanted to go to University of Pennsylvania. It's, it's a very elite Ivy school, but he wasn't qualified. So what did he do? He took some of the stolen money, bribed a basketball coach at Penn to put his son on a list of basketball rec- recruits so he'd get admitted to the school. Oh, Lord. This is another thing that the stolen insurance money went to. Now, of course, the kid wasn't qualified. He didn't even make the basketball team once he was illicitly, uh, you, know, you know, admitted to the school. So that, that just shows you another part of, of how, how devious this scheme really was. Was any of the money collected back from this guy? Yeah, they're working to get a lot of the money back. Some, a lot of it was spent, and you never get it all back. You, you may only get uh, some pennies on the dollar, but at least he got 20 years in prison. Oh, good. I hope he has to spend every minute of that time there. When I stop and think about how this is preying on not only the people that he, he, he's victimizing some people in using in, in this scheme, but also he's victimizing you and me, Jim. It's costing us in terms of our insurance. I mean, that's just, that's so awful. It's so absolutely awful. Well, I'll tell you one of the worst things in, in a way that, that you have on your, your uh, insurance fraud hall of shame was the sobriety scheme. This seems to me like this was so evil. I mean, they're all evil, but this one was particularly evil, preying up on addicts. Tell us about it. 
Well, th this is a national problem. Silver homes in South Florida, in, in Pennsylvania, in Southern California are recruiting uh, desperate addicts who just want to get their lives together. They're stuffing them into corrupt and, and decrepit silver homes and then churning them th through for more and more rehab and, and urine testing schemes uh, that are overbilled and, and, and widely inflated and then billed to your insurance companies. And one of the, what's really devious and almost evil is that a lot of these sober homes are flop houses. Drugs are easily and openly exchanged. Uh, booze is handed out. Sex is even done with some of the, uh, some of the staffers. Wh why does all this happen? Well, because you keep encouraging the addicts to keep relapsing. Why do you want them to relapse? So you can keep churning out uh, unneeded and inflated urine tests and rehab claims that are billed to your insurance company. Good so Lord. these people basically aren't. These addicts are in a literal death grip of, of sober homes and and the rings that support them. Um, these people are overdosing. Some are dying. And this is all for insurance money. Every bit of this is to steal insurance money, hundreds and hundreds of million dollars a year. It is. It is really disgusting. I mean, to take people who are trying to get their lives turned around and then. In some cases, even allowing them, as I gather, to take drugs in the home. I mean, they probably encouraged it, as you said. Uh, it's just, that is, that's just appalling. I hope that person spends a lot of time in jail. Well, he, he's got a very long jail sentence, and I Good. can assure you that uh, he's going to be spent a lot of time behind bars. Oh, wow. Oh, that is so awful. That just breaks my heart. Oh. Well, there are some other stupid things that people have done, too. And some of them are schemes that are run by an individual rather than gangs or, or groups. And nevertheless, they're extremely serious. I like, like the one about where a guy hired his brother to burn his house down. And that didn't end well, did it? You know, it, I, I can't tell whether I want to be sick or laugh or both. Probably yeah. a little bit of both. Because here's what happened. Um, Diomedes Sabalos had his hired his brother Aurelio to burn down his house for an, for an insurance score. Aurelio had no idea how to burn a house. He was a total amateur. So he, he spread gasoline around, lit, lit it up, and suddenly the gas exploded in his face. Oh, he was basically incinerated while standing on his two feet. He had, all he had left was his, literally his underwear. He came running out of the house wearing only his underwear. His clothes burned off. His body was blackened. He somehow made it to a friend's apartment, you know, just burned over his whole body. Um, he made it into the apartment and was dying. The guy w was in such a bad state that he wouldn't even let the apartment, his apartment friend, call the ambulance because he was afraid the scam in Scranton, Pennsylvania would be discovered. Wow. The guy was basically giving up his life so he wouldn't be discovered for insurance fraud. He, he died in the apartment uh, of, of his burns. That's just so, you know, That's what happens when an insurance scheme goes wrong. And boy, did that one go wrong. Wow. And was the brother, yeah, I mean, was the brother uh, anything done to him for perpetrating this kind of fraud? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, he, well, first of all, he filed a $500,000 insurance claim. And uh, th that, that just didn't go over well at all. The, the whole scam was easily, was very quickly discovered, especially when his brother's body was, was turned up later. Oh, wow. And that, that helped starting, the, that started all the dominoes falling. He ended up with 20 years in, in prison. 
and a dead brother. I mean, good Lord. And I a tell dead you, brother. It's, that's just, you know, some of these, as you say, you don't know whether to laugh or cry when you hear these stories. And we've talked about it in the past, how people's lives have been lost because of some stupid insurance fraud they were participating in. Well, let's just take a, a brief pause here to let our listeners know that they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Jim Quiggle. He's the Director of Communications for the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud. And that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the the uh, the organization's Insurance Fraud Hall of Shame. And believe me, it is pretty shameful, uh, some of the things that, that go on. So let's talk about some of the other, uh, the uh, what about the phone, as you call it, the phone flim-flam? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, th- this was a, another monster claim. I mean, we're, we're talking about $424 million. Basically, people were being, basically, people were being recruited from call centers all set up all over the world in different sections around the world. And they, they were calling, uh, they were calling people, seniors mostly, and they were trying to convince them to go get tests, you know, for medical equipment and for, uh, you know, things like back braces and, and, and arm braces and neck braces. And what they were doing is they were, they were, they were, rec- they were signing them up on the telephone. Then they were sending them over to doctors for phone interviews, phone medical exams that were, were totally bogus. They, they had this brief conversation with the doctor. The doctor asked him a couple basic questions about their medical conditions and then sign off and then order these huge bills uh, for, for, for back braces and, and other equipment in their names, even though they didn't even need it and even though they never really had a real medical test, which you're supposed to have before you order this stuff. Of course, so they, the call you, just, they call you. I've had, I've had this kind of call. They call me up and say, oh, you were, you're dealing with back pain, right? Or your knees hurt, right? And I always say, no, nothing hurts and hang up. Well, unfortunately, they'll tell you that they're with an orthopedic clinic or with something. And, and I've, I've, I've heard them. I mean, they want to sell you a device. They want to get all your information. They want your Medicare information. And then they just kind of like, oh, wow, they go to town because you're the victim here. Well, actually, we're all the victim when you have something, uh, something like this. But um, so how do, how do most of these people get caught, Jim? Like in this case here, this sounds to me like unless somebody in the ring ratted them out, did, did the consumers who fell for these scams report them? How, how do you find them? Do you know the backstory on that? Well, n- normally scams like this are just so big that you cannot keep them bottled up. Mm-hmm. Um, the money was just so big that that Medicare couldn't help but notice there were some there was some odd problems going on because mm-hmm. how much money was flowing out it it looked like it was too much to be real and to be believed uh-huh, okay. so once you start seeing once you start seeing piles and piles of claims that that just are just too much to be believed then you start an, a, an investigation and one thing led to another so this is coming out from certain uh groups saying that they're making all these claims. So, yeah, that could, that could trigger some red flags. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the bigger picture, Shirley, is that seniors are being telemarketed. They're getting phone calls, sure. cold calls from, from strangers all the time because it's assumed that seniors uh, don't, don't, you know, are, are too addled-brained 
and too forgetful to really be able to resist. And they, they trust people too much. And this is what they were preying on. This ring was preying on. Mm-hmm. That seniors would, would believe what they were being told. And so all these phone calls to seniors convincing that, well, we'll, we'll get you a free brace. We'll get you this. We'll get you that. And a lot of these seniors believed it. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I, I, and, you know, everybody's vulnerable to scams because some of them are really good. Uh, I mean, they're really slick. They convince you. They sound they sound reasonable, some of them. I mean, it's crazy. I like to listen to some of them just because of what I do and just to see what they say and play along with them. And then at the end, I'll say, hmm, you know, you're a crook, and I hang up on them. So at least I've kept them from bothering somebody else. So I figure that's Shirley, you, you're you're a great consumer advocate, and I, I appreciate that. You know how to handle yourself. Frankly, I I advise most seniors just to hang, hang up. up. Absolutely, these, absolutely. These are, I mean, that's these the best are professional advice. Pitchmen. Exactly. Yeah. No, they are they're professional pitchmen that they know how to manipulate you, and don't let them try to sucker you in with with, with sales pitches because they can get their arms around your neck and, and then have you build all kinds of money. Just oh. hang up and, and let yeah, them be. It's terrible. Terrible. Well, let's let's talk about the one about Mike Williams, who was devoured by an alligator in Florida. Not <laughs> terrible story. Well, it, it, it's a horrible case. It, 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 it almost makes you want to cry to think about it, because Mike loved his wife, Denise. This was in Florida, in the Tallahassee area. He loved Denise. They were high school sweethearts. But he, Mike's, but Denise and Mike's best friend were having an affair behind his back. So they, they wanted Mike out of the way. So they went off on so the so the pair of guys went off on a guy's day to just to do a little bit of, of duck hunting and, and a boat out on the water. Mike push. So what what happens is his best friend pushes Mike into the water, and then shoots him in the head while he's struggling in the water. Takes his body out of the water, buries it. And then says to the to the police that Mike fell out of the boat and must have drowned because he had all this, this heavy uh, hunting equipment on. Wow! Oh yeah, my the, God! The, 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 the cops thought that the cops never found the body, so they figured that alligators must have must have eaten him up in in the in the and pond. And that could happen, sure. Yeah. Well, of didn't. course, this was no, and of course, Mike's death. They never found the body in the pond or any equipment. And Mike's death was worth $1.75 million wow. of life insurance money. Wow. That those two could uh, carry off and, and get married after Mike was buried and, and, and just live a, a nice, sweet, and happy life. But I bet it didn't end that way. It, it didn't happen that way. Uh, it took 18 years to crack the cold case. Really? You know how they found out? Wow. They, they had assumed, the police had assumed all along that alligators had. had at Eaton Mike. What they discovered 18 years later is that alligators don't eat in the winter. They're hibernating. Aha! So, they, so the alligators could not have eaten him. So the whole premise of the case was wrong. And that started the investigation going. And, and you know, Mike's mother kept the thing, the case going, and it helped make sure that nobody forgot about it. And eventually they, they cracked the case and convicted them both. Bless Mike's mother. Well, Jim, I'll tell you, it is a hall of horrors, really, what people do for insurance, for money. And we appreciate your sharing it with us today. And just a warning to our listeners, don't participate in any of these crazy scams. You're ripping off the public. You're ripping off yourself. And you may just end up in prison where you belong. So, you know, it's a terrible story. Jim, again, thank you. 
Just to let our listeners know, you're listening, you've been listening to Of Consuming Interest. My guest has been Jim Quiggle, Director of Communications with the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud. You can reach me at Shirley at callforaction.org. And you've been listening to us right here on 1500 AM and the uh, FED Radio Network, so news networks. We're glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.